Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Code 321 podcast here. I have Ashley with me today. Hello, Ashley. Hi, Nick. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So if you don't mind, do you want to talk a little bit about your background and kind of how we got here on the show today? Yeah, that sounds like a good place to start. So my name is Ashley Hodgetts. I'm a registered nurse and I'm a certified health coach. And I'm the owner of Fit Together Health and Wellness. And I have been a nurse for about eight years now. And throughout my entire nursing career, I've been working with the geriatric population. So the older crew. And it was probably about three years ago that I realized that although I've been sort of meeting my baseline purpose in life, which has always been to help people, I realized that I was doing it on the wrong side of the spectrum. As a hospice nurse, which is you know the type of work I was doing at the time, I realized that I was constantly being reactive to my patients and their symptoms that were being Um, that were coming up due to their chronic condition. And I wanted to start working with people to help them be proactive with their health. So I launched Fit Together Health and Wellness in 2019. And it's about helping people to be proactive with their health and helping people really look at the pillars of health and, you know, kind of where they're at where they want to go and how to get there. So we look at, you know, their level of physical activity, their nutrition, and a lot about like behavioral health, their habits that are ultimately jeopardizing their health. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I was just thinking as you were saying that back when I was on Willison Fire, we used to go to the respite house all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yep. I'm sure you know that. Yeah. Um, the old I, respite house. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's not there anymore. But yeah. I remember I remember going there and just the incredible amount of emotional charge that's in that place all the time. You know, mm. the staff are amazing. Every palliative care and hospice nurse I've ever met is like a complete angel. Like they just are like the... <laughs> most incredible people ever. I don't think I could ever do that work. And I remember going there and, you know, thinking to myself, there's all these patients having these incredibly painful experiences, both emotionally and physically. And then you have family members Mm -hmm. that are coming in there and, Mm -hmm. you know, and then uh, the few times I was there as an EMS capacity, it was a very complicated discussion because it's not, you know, it's not like you just load them up in the ambulance and bring them to the hospital because there's a plan in place and all these other complex things. And uh, just like in our careers, somebody has to train the trainer so that the the people can train everyone else. And Mm -hmm. I think um, what I'm kind of hearing is that you recognize that there's, there's a need for those caregivers to, to get the same type of resources just as much as the patients. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's definitely a key. That's, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, So one of the things that, that I find in my, my experience in EMS and fire, and I'm sure you've seen in nursing too, and Obviously, my fiance is an ER nurse, so, you know, I've, I kind of hear that world as well, too. We kind of all hang out and, you mm-hmm. know, drink beers at the campfire together. So we all <laughs> we all know each other. And yeah. one of the things I notice is, you know, this idea of this emotional bank account and always mm-hmm. having a positive balance so that you can write checks for different things. Every experience you have, you want to be able to have enough money in your emotional bank account to cover whatever experience you, you're experiencing. Totally. And uh, I think where we get into trouble is when we start to overdraw a little bit, when we start to get low and we don't have enough money to cover those payments um, on our emotional experiences. And I know what they are for me, but I'm just curious, what are some signs that you've seen of people starting to get low in their emotional bank account or maybe starting to overdraw? Yeah, I honestly, I see it a lot. Um, And in terms of what sort of like emotions come up for people, there's irritability, there's anger, there's frustration. Um, Some people experience anxiety, depression. 
Some people tend to lean on unhealthy habits if they're feeling like they're giving too much and not getting enough. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I know for me, I think irritability was a was a strange one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I talked to you before, like when I was in high school, I was at like most likely to brighten your day. I was just like friendly, <laughs> little bubbly guy. And I just played a bunch of sports and I knew everybody. And you know, I, I played an instrument and I just kind of always like hopping from friend group to friend group doing whatever. Um, and then you fast forward, you know, 15 years later or so, you know, I'm, I'm riding the ambulance to these calls and it's just this constant negative, bitter energy mm-hmm. inside of my head of like, I can't believe I'm doing this again. Like, oh man, we just picked this guy up. Oh man, this sucks. Like, I just want to sleep. Like, I just want to eat. I just want to do whatever, yeah. you know, and, and that was a big indicator to me. Another one was, um, strange food appetites, mm-hmm. like just really aggressively overeating all the time, just terrible food for you, you know, yeah. and then other days I wouldn't eat at all. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'd have, a you know, a couple of cups of coffee and I'd have no food. And it was just a, a very strange process because I didn't find myself having a normal amount of hunger. Yeah. It was like this insatiable, constant hunger where I was eating almost constantly throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Or it was, I just, did, I couldn't even think about food. I just didn't feel like eating. And I thought those were pretty abnormal signs for me. It's so common to have these sort of like emotions come up, the irritability, the binge eating, maybe binge drinking. Like these are common habits that people lean on to cope with whatever it is that's coming up. And what I try to do with my clients is help them recognize that the irritability, the anxiety, the depression, the unhealthy habits, they're all clues that there's healing to be done. Like clues that something is off and needs to be, needs to be addressed. Yeah. And that makes a ton of sense. I was actually thinking about this on my way here. And, uh, as we talked about, I love analogies and anyone that knows me loves that. And I was thinking to myself, like, you know, if, if you're driving your car and you hear like an abnormal noise, mm-hmm. you're not going to just take it red line on the 405 until the wheels fall off. Like you want right. to go to the mechanic and figure out like, do you need oil? Is, you know, is the, are the belts loose? Like, is it the timing belt? I still don't know what the timing belt does, but it yeah. seems like it happens all the time for people. Yeah, I, I definitely don't know. Yeah, right. And, and so like those kinds of, that makes a lot of sense for a vehicle to us, you know, or if your fridge is broken, you're going to get a new fridge or figure out right. what's wrong with it and fix it. Right. And I think in our professions in nursing and firefighting and, you know, being a police officer, military, Mm -hmm. all that, there's all this pressure that, you know, you are going to be behind the mission. You know, you are a cog in the machine that needs to complete this mission and everything's Mm -hmm. high stakes. And, you know, it's always a four alarm fire or cardiac arrest. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's not really time for you to fix the Tommy belt. You know, you just got to just run that thing till it breaks and they'll swap a new car in. And I think that's what I got into for a long time there. Mm -hmm. And I realized, you know, after talking to Beth Jacobs and people like you, you know, there's nothing wrong with taking a little step back for a second and just recalibrating. Right. Um, And I, I remember a... An individual once told me about that, that old school airplane analogy, you know, the airplane is crashing and the auction Mm -hmm. masks come down. They say you need to put your mask on before helping other people. And Mm -hmm. I, for many, many, many years, like said that that was garbage. I didn't buy into it Mm -hmm. because I said, that's just going to slow me down. Like, I'm not going to worry about myself. I'm going to hit as many people as I can and then just pass out and someone else will take over. Like, that's my plan. Like, I'm not going to waste time on myself. I'm just going to hammer through it. And then, uh, you know, Beth and I had this long conversation about longevity Uh and it's like, is that really, think about it objectively. Is that really the most, you know, ideal choice from Uh a logical perspective? Like, okay, maybe that feels good, you know, from the martyr lens or from whatever lens you're looking at. But in reality, is that really doing the most good? Right. Is one year of, you Uh know, a hundred calls a month doing 
good service or is 10 years of, you know, 10 calls a month doing better service? What are you actually affecting? Exactly. I mean, you can really run yourself into the ground like that. You can't expect to give 100% when you only have 20%. And you've, you've got to be willing to take care of yourself if you want to take care of the people that you love and the people in the community. Yeah. And that's tough with what we do because there's such an emphasis on care, you know, service before self. Like I'm pretty sure that's a saying. I think Mm -hmm. it's military, like service before self. That's literally the saying. That's what they train you for. (laughs) And I think we talked about there's, there are definitely times where we want that. And I think everyone that gets into fire and EMS for the most part, they do believe in that and they buy into that. And there's definitely a place for that. You know, we want to make sure that, you know, when that pager goes off, someone is leaving the Thanksgiving table to go respond to that fire. Somebody has to do that. Mm -hmm. However, I think it's important that we put things in perspective. It's not this false dichotomy of you are there or you're not there. It's a little more complicated than that. Right. And you say service before self. And I just think with that sort of mentality, when you actually put yourself first or when you actually set the boundaries, my assumption is that a lot of people feel wrong for doing that. And that's not the case at all. Like, again, you can't take care of others unless you are taking care of yourself. Yeah. And if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, you know, playing off that car analogy, the nice thing is you don't need, theoretically, you don't need a timing belt every single day. It may be you go in the shop, you take a, you take a day off, right. you get tuned up and then you come back out and you have miles and miles and miles of service before you have to go back in. It's, you know, when I say, you know, the service before self thing, that's probably most of the days. And mm-hmm. every once in a while, if you need to, you know, go for a hike or you need a day off, like that's okay. It's not like you're going for a hike every single day. You know, it's all about the yeah. balance. Yeah. And even on the day to day, like I feel like you can implement some self care so you then can give to others, right? There can be little bits of self care throughout the day so you can feel 100% so you then can give. Yeah, exactly. My, my partner, Eric, we did a podcast together. He knows that my little treat to myself every time we're on shift is I love to go to Starbucks and get a coffee. Yeah. Like I just, you know, we got firehouse coffee, but I don't know if you ever had that stuff. It's pretty, it's pretty no. brutal, but um, <laughs> can imagine. it's pretty much the cheapest stuff you can buy. And uh, it does the job, but it's not, you know, it's not the luxurious penthouse treatment. So, right. and for me, just going out and spending that, you know, 15 or, you know, 10, 15 minutes for myself to go get a cup of coffee mm-hmm. and just sip a nice hot cup of coffee made just the way I want it. Yeah. That'll get me through the afternoon and that'll keep me, you know, perky and excited and happy, you know, to go on the rest of the calls. And, you know, and, he knows that he knows that that's the plan. And talk about comfort. I mean, having like a really nice sort of fancy cup of coffee, there's something that feels like a lot of, it feels comfortable to me, you know, yeah. like you're just, that feels nice. Exactly. You know, yeah. and it's just a small little gesture, you know, mm-hmm. it's not like I'm, you know, taking the ambulance to the mattress store and sleeping for four <laughs> hours. Like, I'm, you know, I think that that's a pretty healthy balance, 10 minutes for a cup of coffee and then totally. I'm right back on the road. And I think any, you know, any big city that you go to, um, a lot of those big urban EMS systems, mm-hmm. you know, they, they call out a service for lunch for about 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. We don't do that here. We're kind of always on duty, Yeah. but those are much higher volume services. And that's kind of their, their point where they can reset, you know, they can, they can have their food, they can get an entire meal in, which is mm-hmm. something that, you know, anybody who's done any sort of nursing police fire knows that is not always a guarantee. And those administrators of those large services have come to the conclusion that, even though they're losing money during that 30 minute period, Mm -hmm. they are able to give that to their workers because it improves the efficiency of the workers in the afternoon. Just Mm -hmm. giving them 30 minutes to eat lunch and have a cup of coffee and decompress and then get back on the rig 30 minutes later, 
makes them more efficient for the rest of the shift. So that's a perfect example of what we're just talking about. Exactly. It allows them to reset. And sometimes you need those 30 minutes to just reset. Yeah. And I think one of the things we've talked a little bit about is just the difficulty recognizing this stuff as it's happening. It's so difficult when you're when you're in it. I know. um, I don't know if you ever heard of Jocko Willink, but he's a really good leadership guy from the Navy SEALs. Mm -hmm. And he talks about this idea of detaching. Mm. You know, if all of the SEAL team members are all performing this function and charging down the hallway and doing their thing, they're all focused on that task. Mm -hmm. Whereas you really do need that, um, you know, that SEAL commander or the person that's in charge to take a step back and look at the big picture. Like, wait a minute, this is the wrong house. Like, we need to go somewhere, you know, and (laughs) it's hard to notice that if you're all pointing your weapons down the hallway and moving in the same direction, it's hard for someone to be like, I think this is the wrong address. I think, you know, Yeah. and I think uh, that's a perfect example of letting the stimulus come down, resetting, kind Mm -hmm. of taking stock for where you're at um, and just resetting. That's really important. Yeah. I feel like if you just continue on with your head down and just kind of keep pushing through, you're not going to take the time or even become aware of your own sort of emotional state and also the physical symptoms that are that are happening in your body because of your emotional state. Like you need that time to to step back and sort of self-assess. Yeah, exactly. I mean, think of any time anyone's ever giving you any sort of tiny correction, you know, and you respond in a defensive way, you know, oh, like, yeah. oh, sir, you can't park there. I can't park there. And you're like, no, no, that's like, they're doing construction work. You're going to get your car wrecked. And you're like, oh, okay. Right, right. You know, our instinct <laughs> as human beings is just to immediately defend ourselves and like, yeah. oh, I'm doing this, I'm an individual. And, yeah. you know, that could be really tough. And when you're in those moments, if someone's like, hey, you were, you're pretty mean to that guy, or, you know, you were, mm. you seem really angry or, you know, you just you know, smashed your windshield out with your tire iron. That seems a little intense for a flat tire. It's easy to be like, don't tell me what to do. Like I'm having a rough day. But what we need to do is find these techniques of reflecting on ourselves and coming to that conclusion on our own. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like that's something that you can help your clients with is kind of that process of kind of inwardly reflecting and figuring out maybe what's going on. Yeah. And it's, it's such a big part of what I do with my clients is, looking at their habits, specifically their unhealthy habits, and identifying what the trigger was for that unhealthy habit, and then figuring out why they were triggered to begin with, right? What created that trigger, and then sort of stepping back, seeing what emotions are coming up, being open to those emotions, and kind of leaning into them with compassion and not not shame or judgment and just getting curious about them. And then with that curiosity, looking at ways that we can shift our habits to to some that will optimize our health. Yeah, right. Th- because we can't avoid the triggers. We can't avoid of course, yeah. we can't avoid the stress. We can't avoid events, anything. But what we can do is we can change our response to it. Yeah. And that's critical. That's huge. I know we talked a little bit about going through that professional resilience book, the Eric Gentry book. Mm -hmm. And he talks all about that is, you know, you have no ability to control the stimulus that you're encountering Mm -hmm. unless you move to some, you know, isolated island and eat coconuts. And if that's what you want to do, I mean, more power to you, you know, I'll come visit you. But um, as far as us in the healthcare profession, Mm -hmm. there's going to be days where you don't get your paperwork done. There's going to be days when people die that shouldn't or people who, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, who are really, really injured survive and that's a wide variety of emotions yeah and we can't control that but i think what you're saying is 
you know, the first step, just like Eric Gentry says, is kind of coming to that realization of what is your body and your mind doing when these stimulus are happening? Because a lot of people don't know. And, you know, you hear that, that phrase of, oh, I blacked out or I saw Mm -hmm. red, you know, you hear that in court cases all the time. My fiance loves like true crime. And that's (laughs) always what the criminals are like. I blacked out. I don't remember. Like it's all red. And a lot of people are like, well, that's just an excuse. But like they did this study with a MRI machine and they mm-hmm. scanned people's brains and they found that it's actually a, a chemical response. You, you have, you're so elevated with your sympathetic nervous system that you actually yes. lose the ability to think logically. Yep. You, you can't process simple equations. If you have someone that's really angry, you know, ask them what's two plus two and they, they can't process it because they're so mad that mm-hmm. their, their limbic brain, you know, their neocortex stuff is just, it's just shut down. It's just all lizard all the time. Yes. And, you know, and, I think that's the dangerous thing for us in our profession is, you know, if you need to push, you know, paralytics or some really complicated medicine that's weight based and all of a sudden you can't think. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's a problem, right? That's a massive problem. I mean, you have to be able to just focus and function. And if you're in a constant state of stress, like you're compromised. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. And I think um, the next thing I want to talk about just a little bit is so if if people are not able to do this healthy reflection and kind of work with you and start to process this, what are some ways that people are going to utilize to manage this on their own? How do people self-medicate? What are some unhealthy habits like you alluded to that you see people trying to manage this, managing the symptoms, not the cause? Yeah. So what I see in terms of unhealthy habits that people are doing is um, binge eating, using food to self-soothe, whether it be sugar or just, you know, processed food. I see people mindlessly scrolling on social media for hours at a time or even just watching TV. Um, I see people drinking. I see people using prescription pills um, or even just over-the-counter medications. I see people acting out in anger. Um, yeah, man, it's like you had a portal into the last like six <laughs> months of my life. It's so entertaining, you know, and it's just, uh, it's just funny because when you're doing all these things, it's not, it's, it's almost like you don't see the forest of the trees, at least from, mm-hmm. in my experience, mm-hmm. you know, like, like I don't consider myself somebody that really likes fast food. It just, it doesn't make me feel good. Like it's yeah. just not like amazing, but there were some times over the past year where like, I really wanted like a double cheeseburger mm-hmm. or something like I really want a set of you know fries or milkshake or whatever. And, right. and, uh, it was just almost became like this need, you know, I'd be like driving home and I'd be like, man, I, I would go, I remember driving 45 minutes from my house <laughs> to the McDonald's, getting a chicken sandwich and driving 45 minutes home, which it was cold by the time I got home. And that was what I chose to do. Like I put Mm -hmm. pants on, I left my house, I got that sandwich and I drove back to my house to eat it. I'm glad you put pants on. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, I did go through the drive-thru, so it went all right. But but like an hour and a half for a a $3 sandwich, you know, and it's just, it's funny because I didn't really think anything of it. And then just hearing us talk about this now, Mm -hmm. you know, it starts to make a little more sense that you know, maybe I was in a position of a little bit of stress. Maybe I was feeling a little overwhelmed and that was the coping mechanism I choose to do there, you know? And the thing about these unhealthy habits is that they offer almost immediate relief, right? As soon as you have, as soon as you're on social media, you get the dopamine hit. As soon as you take a drink of alcohol, you get the dopamine hit. Like it's, it's almost immediate. And the other thing about these unhealthy habits is that they're so easy to access, right? The fast food, the sugar, the social media, the alcohol. They're so easy. 
Yeah, it's almost like there's a business built right around oh, that. Interesting. Problem. Yes, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah, it makes a ton of sense. And, you know, I think we uh, we think as medical providers, just because this is an EMS podcast, we talk a lot about shock here. We talk about, mm-hmm. you know, compensated shock, decompensated shock, irreversible shock. And uh, I think there's a lot of people that fall into that compensated shock realm, you mm-hmm. know, where something is wrong, something's going wrong, you know, um, you know, think of you're losing emotion, kind of like you're losing blood and your yeah. heart rate and your respiratory rate are starting to compensate. You know, you're vasoconstricting, you're trying to work on um, managing this and you may be managing it so well. I've had some people with some pretty significant internal injuries from gunshot wounds and stabbings, mm-hmm. and you would never know that they were injured with the exception of an elevated heart rate, you mm-hmm. know, or an elevated respiratory rate, you know, and then, uh, as they move through the stages, they start to deteriorate. But, you know, if I, I've had people with multiple gunshot wounds to the chest that are talking to you, telling their drug allergies and 25 minutes later, they're in the ICU unconscious, you know, and right. I think that's a good parallel to what we're talking about here is, you might be going to work and showing up. And to a lot of people, the metric is I'm showing up on work on time. I'm dressed for work. I'm managing my job well. Like mm-hmm. I'm a comp- I'm paying my bills. I'm, you know, my car is working. You know, I'm, I'm hitting these little bullet points and I'm doing that. So right. even though they don't feel good, even though they're driving an hour and a half for a chicken sandwich, you know, maybe, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe that's, maybe that to me looks like compensated chalk. Totally. You know, you're meeting your commitments, yep. but is that really a sustainable system. Right. I mean, you're talking about it and I'm just thinking of like social media, right? We can spend hours on social media and we may be offering our immediate self some relief from whatever stress we're experiencing or whatever emotion we're experiencing, but ultimately we're compromising our future, our future self because we're spending hours on social. We're probably neglecting our partner, maybe our kids, maybe our own needs. And it's just, yeah. And, you know, I see it with, with alcohol too. Like, again, it goes back to this idea that you're satisfying the needs of your, your now self, but ultimately compromising your future self. Yeah. And that makes a ton of sense. And it seems like your business model is a a lot focused on how do we start to steer away from those short term, you know, quick fixes and Mm -hmm. start thinking about what is the cause, you know, maybe, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense to me, you know, and as we progress through, you know, you could see the decompensated shock would be, you know, somebody who starts their performance, starts slipping at work, or, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe they get to a place where they're so irritable and, um, confrontational with their partner that they, you know, they start talking about a separation or, Mm. you know, they start sleeping in different bedrooms or doing whatever. And, and to me, that is basically the, the inability of your mechanism to compensate for the shortcoming. You know, you're starting to see these ugly truths kind of peek through your system, you Mm -hmm. know, and maybe the chicken sandwich isn't keeping you from getting irritable. Maybe now you're yelling at the teller about the chicken sandwich, you know, and those things are kind of making cracks in the outside shell. Right. The quick hit isn't working anymore. You need something more. Yep. Yep. And the unfortunate thing that I read in this professional resilience book, which I highly recommend to anyone who's listening, is this idea of irreversible, you know, this irreversible process. And sometimes people don't know this until they actually hit rock bottom, Mm -hmm. you know, until something terrible happens, Mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, some, for some people it's a divorce, some people it's a separation, some people, you know, it's a, it's a criminal charge. Other people it's uh, you know, they get arrested for alcohol use. I've seen it with nurses. They get caught with controlled substances, you know, like that's a big hit for people. And that's kind of, 
that reset for them where they look in the mirror and they're like, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. Because they haven't noticed the process that's been slowly eroding and kind of spiraling downwards. And then they hit that rock bottom. And I know in that book he talks about a lot of people don't figure this out until they hit rock bottom. So if you can get ahead of it, it's incredible. And it sounds like that's one of the things that you try to help people with. Yeah, I I truly believe this idea that every action has a reaction. And if we can start making small sort of healthy changes now, we will see the results of that in in time. Like, yes, it will take time, but your actions, you'll see the reaction. I definitely highly recommend it. I think, you know, just just working with people that you trust, even just coworkers, just having conversations yeah. about it. Um, I think one of the the challenging things that I've always experienced is that that idea behind psychology that it has to come from the person. Mm -hmm. It has to be that individual realization. Yeah. It's been so tough. I've had a couple of people I've, you know, I've worked with and I know personally and professionally that you've kind of seen them working down the spiral because sometimes it's easier to see from the outside than it is to, to be in the middle of that whirlwind. Oh, yeah. And you kind of see it happening. And no matter how many times you intervene, a lot of the times, you know, if you can't get through them, they'll end up just shutting you out because mm -hmm. you're, you know, you're just telling them stuff they don't want to hear and they're, you know, they're already trying to avoid it. Right. So you confronting them about like, hey, you know, maybe you shouldn't be drinking 24 beers on the way home from work. Like mm -hmm. they're just going to start shutting you out and, and uh, that can be really tough. Yeah. Absolutely. It has to start. It has to start with you. Which is which is crazy because, you know, we we talk about this and it sometimes you can look at someone and you'd be like, man, they're in a spiral like mm -hmm. they're you know screaming at the bank teller like that doesn't seem right. Like something's wrong, you know, right. and we usually can see that pretty easily. You know, but then for me, you know, I didn't notice that that was abnormal to drive at half an hour, you know, an hour and a half for a chicken. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Right. Like even just now, like just having this conversation, I realized like that seems excessive. <laughs> like, and there's nothing wrong with that. If you're choosing to go get a, you know, food that you love like that, you know, that's totally healthy, I think. Right. But in that scenario, I don't think that that was me planning to go get that sandwich. I think that was something that I was choosing to do to satisfy a craving that I had. Mm -hmm. And I just happened to live in a rural area that like everything closes at like two in the afternoon and doesn't open <laughs> like four days later. So, <laughs> yeah. um, and that's, that's what I did, you know, but that makes a lot of sense. So how can people start to make some changes if they realize that maybe they have some bad habits? Yeah, I think the first step is awareness. And I see awareness as sort of like an umbrella, right? You need to become aware of your triggers. You can't know you're triggered until you know your triggers. Um, and then becoming aware of your unhealthy habits, whether it be you know, the way in which you act with a loved one, or maybe you're drinking too much, or maybe you're binge eating, like becoming aware of those unhealthy habits is, is a massive step in the right direction. And then also becoming aware of what you're seeking when you perform that unhealthy habit in response to that trigger. Because once you start to develop or brainstorm new healthier habits, you have to make sure that you get the same reward that you got with the unhealthy habit in response to that trigger or that healthy habit will not stick. So I see it as awareness, like stepping back from your emotions and getting curious about them. Why am I feeling angry? Why am I screaming at the teller? Why am I going to get a chicken sandwich? And then just giving yourself some space to explore what's going on without judgment or shame because the feelings you're feeling, the symptoms you're having, although it may feel like you're completely alone, the feelings are universal, right? Whether it be anger, hate, sadness, like they're universal. That makes a ton of sense. 
So if people are interested in working a little more on this and maybe they feel like they they can utilize you to help them a little bit, how would they get in touch with you? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram and Facebook, you know, talking about social media. Yeah. <laughs> Great, there you go. Um, Fit Together Wellness. And then my website is uh, fittogetherwellness.org. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me.